Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. I won't keep you standing. The surprise is I'm not teaching the whole lesson. With two kids under two, we weren't sure because Janelle and I were trying to decide who between us was going to teach tonight. We decided to teach together, especially because this this particular lesson or uh, message or whatever you want to call it came from a joint conversation about a topic we're both pretty passionate about. And then we just started workshopping it together. And so I'm going to teach, I guess, part one. And then Janelle's going to come up and she's going to teach the really good stuff. I'm just up here to, to crack wise and everything else. And actually, I want to start us out with a story tonight. <laughs> I want to start us out with a story about old Mr. Watkins. One morning, old Mr. Watkins woke up to discover that the river that was near his house had flooded and flooded the entire base floor of his house. And he looks out the window as he trudges through the water, and the water is rising. And it just looks like it's going to keep rising. About that time, a couple men in a rowboat come by, and they're rowing. They say, hey, Mr. Watkins, come on, come on, get out to the boat. We'll, we'll row you to safety. And Mr. Watkins, he's like, he just waves them on by. He says, no, thank you. He says, if the Lord wills it, he will provide. Men shrugged, and they rowed on. They got themselves to safety. Well, the water kept rising, and by that evening, Mr. Watkins had to climb to the roof of his house. It seems like it was Lord, the Lord's will that he had forgotten to put away his ladder the previous day, so he was able to get on the roof pretty easy. About that time, along comes a motorboat, and the guy's like, hey, swim out. Come on, we get you to safety. And Mr. Washington's like, go on, go on. If the Lord wills it, the Lord will provide. Motorboat guy's like, all right, whatever, goes on. Things are getting worse. Mr. Watkins is now on the top of his chimney as the waters have continued to rise. Definitely a record flood. And about that time, the Red Cross comes along in one of their cutters. And they're like, come on, get out of here. Try to, they throw him the little orange thing. And Mr. Watkins just waves him on. He's like, no, if the Lord wills it, the Lord will provide. Mr. Watkins drowns. And as he walks through the pearly gates, he was a good man. He was a good Christian man. As you know, he's seeking the Lord's will. He walks through, he's dripping wet, he demands to speak to God, and he's like, God, what's going on? He's like, was it your will for me to die? God looks at him, he's like, man, I sent you three boats. So there you go. It was not his will for Mr. Watkins to die. You might surmise from this joke that we're going to be talking about God's will tonight. And we're going to be talking about three different types of God's will. Um, there's a number of ways that I've heard God's will described. There his, there's his dispositional will. There is his revealed will. And then his um, discovered will. And if you've ever thought to yourself, what is God's will for my life? I know I've had that question to myself numerous times. You may be sitting here tonight thinking, what is God's will for my life? Well, I've got some good news. I'm going to tell you God's will for your life, or at least part of it. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you the part of God's will that you, will, you can be every day, any day, no matter where you are, being God's will. And that's my part of it. So I'm going to talk about two parts. I'm going to talk about his, dispensa- his dispositional will and his revealed will, what we can learn from the Bible about what his will is for us every single day. And so his dispositional will, I'm going to start, start off by reading in 1 Timothy 
chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, sums it up best. And it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. I like how God tends to make things simple for us. Jesus took the entire gigantic law of the Old Testament and condensed it down into two statements, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But this is God's will. His will is for every single person in the world, every person who's been born, who has died, who's going to be born. It is his will for them to be saved. But that doesn't always happen. And it feels kind of weird, right, that God, who knows everything, who could control everything, built everything that we see and know, all the rules of the universe, that his will for everyone to be saved might not happen. But before we get into that too deep, we'll circle back around to his, the will, his uh, dispositional will. And let's talk about his revealed will. What does God will, what is God's will for us, for every single person in here today, every single person in the world? And we're going to go to the Old Testament first in Micah, verse 6 and 8, to kick us off. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What, what does God want from you? But to do justly, to love mercy, or to show mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That is God's will for our life. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. He's shown us what is good, and he doesn't require a whole lot from us just to be just to love mercy, show others mercy. But it's not just the Old Testament that we can see God's will for our lives. We can look in Ephesians verse four, or excuse me, chapter four, verses 15 and 16. In this chapter, God's talking about, or uh, it, I believe it's Paul's talking about the gifts of God's. The version I'm going to read would be a little bit different what showed. I grabbed the NIV because it's a little easier to understand. It says, in verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking truth and love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work. And so that's, that's a really interesting section because it says that we should speak truth in love. And in this case, speaking that truth is bringing the truth of Jesus and his salvation to others in love not in judgment, not that we're superior. We know something that other people don't. Sometimes we do, and that's a good thing. But we come to people, we witness to people in love. And that is part of his will for our lives every single day is showing that love to other people, helping to bring more people into the body of Christ. And then us as a group growing together, making up the different parts of the body of Christ. We all have something a little different that we provide to this church that maybe others can't. We are all part of that one body. And then the other part of his everyday will for us is something that probably all of us are familiar with. Probably everyone in here knows Acts 2.38. I'm actually going to read Acts 3 and 19. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's the plan of salvation. That's part of God's will for our life. We repent. We, be ba we are baptized. We receive the Holy Ghost. We start to walk with him. We start to learn more about him. That's a part of the plan. And then I'll do one more passage. So I'm not just throwing verse after verse after verse at you. That's good. You can just, we'll just start reading the Bible and then we'll all be done. We'll be here for a little while. But Ephesians 5, uh, 15 and 17. And I'm hoping I have the right. I'm kind of questioning if I put the right one here. 
I think you might be right. So what I have written down is be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And the great part here is if you don't feel like you're a particularly wise person, I forgot to write this verse down, but there's a verse that says that he maketh the unwise wise. All you got to do is ask and he'll lead you. And that, you know, for many of us, that's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us as we go through our day-to-day lives, helping us as we interact with other people, as we work, as we do our jobs. And so, so much of God's will for your life can be summed up simply as be humble, speak truth to others in love, repent or come to Jesus, make the most out of every day. And if we look at what Jesus told us in Matthew 22 verses 36 and 40, Jesus, they had been asked, what was the greatest commandment in the Bible or in the Old Testament? And there's a lot of commandments. Like we all pretty much know the 10 commandments. There's hundreds just after that that just keep, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus summed it up into two. And he's basically, it was love God above all else. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you really love someone, if you really love God, you're going to follow what he says. If you really love your neighbor, all those things in the Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't envy, don't um, commit adultery, all those things just come out of it because you don't want to hurt the people that you love. And so this is his will for us every single day. This is what we can do every single day to be in his will. And if you ever ask yourself, am I in the will of God? These are the things that you can look at. It's like, am I being humble? Am I being kind? Am I showing people Jesus' love? Man, that barista didn't make my drink right, and now I got to wait, and now I'm late for the th- to, to get to church or wherever I was going, and maybe I was snappy at them. They deserve mercy. That's that show, love mercy. Show them mercy. Show them kindness. And there's people way worse than the barista that didn't make your drink right that deserve our mercy and our love as well. And so this is his will. It's, it's pretty simple, thankfully. I'm glad because I get to teach the simple part of this lesson. Um, but what about going back to that where I started? God's will is for everyone to be saved. But not everyone is saved. Not everyone is going to church. So what's, what's going on there? God could control everything, right? He made everything. This is where our will or the human will can actually supersede God's will. Each of us has a choice. We can choose to follow his will. We can choose to be humble or not be humble. We can choose to be nice or not be nice. These are all choices we have. And unfortunately, not everyone chooses to follow the will of God, even though that's what he wants. And this has been happening since the the dawn of humankind. Adam and Eve in the garden. They actually had got God. They walked with God in the garden. God was like, here's my will for your life. Be fruitful and multiply. Go have babies. Tend the Garden of Eden. Do all these things. God gave them like a step-by-step plan of what they needed to do. And he only said one thing. He's like, just just don't eat of that one tree. Tree over there, you know, the one that all our paintings make it look like apples for some reason. Don't eat of that tree. And even though there was the serpent, there was temptation, Adam and Eve still made a choice. They have free will, just like we do. They made a choice, and they went against God's will, and they ate that apple. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and God was like, Nineveh needs me. 
I need you, Jonah, to go to Nineveh. And Jonah was like, I don't like Nineveh. The people in Nineveh are scary. And he didn't go to Nineveh. He went in the opposite direction, as f- trying to get as far away from Nineveh as he could. Shipwreck, or, or well, the storm comes up. He gets o- thrown overboard. He gets eaten by a giant fish. And finally, in the middle of the fish, he's like, okay, God, all right, I'll go. I'll go to Nineveh. However, I was thinking about this. Once the fish spat him out, Jonah didn't have to go to Nineveh. He could have been like, yeah, I still don't like Nineveh. And I'm not going to go to Nineveh. But he did. He did. And I would assume as well that the, I don't remember quite. I don't think he, the fish spat him into Nineveh. You know, so he, he had to actually make an effort to go to Nineveh. And these are cases of like people in the Bible, they push against God's will. Sometimes they come back. Sometimes they don't. God doesn't force his will on us. We get to make that choice. And so this, as we, as we think about our lives, as, as you ask yourself maybe day to day, am I in God's will? It can be tough because God's will for some people may be like Jason and Corey to go to Japan. It may be to just be the best possible member of this church you absolutely can be. But that's a great question, though, because what is the rest of God's will? If God doesn't force his will on us, and we know what we need to do on a day-to-day to live in his will, you're probably saying, Ryan, there's something more. I've heard all those preachers preach stuff like, you could be a missionary like Jason and Corey, or you could go start home mission someplace else. Uh, you could be called to start Bible studies in Prosser, or you could be called all the way to New York or Africa or wherever. What about that? Does Ryan have an answer for the more of God's will? No, I don't. Unfortunately, that is the discovered will of God. There is something more. Even if we're living God's will every day, we're being good Christians, we're being kind, we're being gentle, there can be something more. And it's at this point that I need to turn it over to part two, to Janelle, to actually talk to you about the discovered will of God. Because she's way better at more complex topics than I am. Big shoes to fill. Not really. He only wears an eight and a half. But, sorry. I love you, honey. (laughs) Oh, size eight. Excuse me. Uh, If you also want to follow along in the notes section on the app, um, there's some interactive ways that you can uh, follow along with this message. And we're actually, I'll do a quick plug for TOP Academy, because it's just been on top of mind. One of the series we watched uh, last week, the teacher talked about the will of God is a lifelong pursuit. And that really, really resonated with me. And so if you want to learn more, you can talk to Sister Beth. But I digress. This, someone made a comment to me a few weeks ago. We were talking about a potential situation And they said, oh, it's God's will that may happen. And what they were talking about was something actually pretty awful that could happen in my life. (laughs) And it it stopped me in my tracks. And I said, you know, I don't, or at least I thought, I don't know if I said it, but I said, I don't think that's the God I know or his will for my life. And this really started us down this path of like dinner conversations about we were like, what are we going to teach on? And then we were like, ah, aha. And before you think, oh, Ryan Janelle is so spiritual, not the case. Most of the time, it's usually about diapers, what we're going to eat, what our toddler, we think our toddler is going to eat. 
uh, nine out of ten times is not what we thought. But <laughs> you talk, Brother Ryan, or it sounds weird to say Ryan, Brother Ryan, but Ryan was talking about his revealed will and how the scriptures are always there to give us the guidance. But I don't know about you, or I know for me, I have tried to open the Bible and be like, God, give me a scripture. And it does not say, yes, Janelle, move to California. Instead, it says, trust in your heart, or trust in me with all of your heart and lean on to your own understanding. And, you know, the thing about God's will and how people perceive it is like, especially going through a trial, they'll say, well, it must be God's will. And in some cases, that can be true. But first, we should understand that God knows everything. He knows every potential decision, every trial, every heartache, every relationship, because you know what? Life happens. And God has a big plan. He sees everything. So it's not the case that he is always there to put trials in our pathway. He is just all-knowing, and he sees what's coming our way. So he knows what we do and what decisions we make are going to glorify him and are what are going to make us stronger. And a lot of times, there are decisions, there are places in our life that are out of our control, but most of the time, it's in our control. We have the power to supersede God and say no, just like my toddler says no to me all the time and does exactly what I tell him not to do, even though <laughs> I know him falling off the couch is going to hurt him. And it's so, it seems so simple. But even Newton realized this. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, a man reaps what he sows. So eloquently, the Bible puts it, but Newton also said it in a way where for every action, there is a equal and opposite reaction. Thank you very much. And so circumstances in our lives are the direct result of those actions. And now these are generalizations, so don't come after me because there's exceptions to every rule. I feel like my old job, you could pick apart a sunny day. So you'd always be like, hey, <laughs> there I know the exception to that. And you're like, yes, okay. But we can think of some things that are in our control and out of our control. Uh, smoking cigarettes. I hope everybody knows at this point how destructive it can be on your body. So if you smoke for 40 years and you're diagnosed with lung cancer, lung cancer induced by cigarettes, it may be out of your control by that time, but at one point, a decision was in your control, and it was a series of decisions that led to that outcome. But alternatively, if you look at breast cancer, that is something that is 100% genetic, out of your control. Losing a job to a poor work ethic, not showing up that day because you stayed up too late the night before, knowing that that was going to cause repercussions, in your control. Losing a job to somebody else's poor work ethic, somebody else's immoral or lack of moral decisions. I think about Twitter and getting a new leader and all these people who lost their jobs and they were probably wonderful employees, but because of one man's decision, they lost their job in an instant out of their control. So if you think our God knows everything, why do bad things happen? It must be his will. No. <laughs> I mean, it could be the case if you can think of that decision that was in your control and led to it, and you're not living the life that Brother Ryan talked about and being currently in his will. Then, 
yeah, it could be the case. You're out of his will, and that caused it to happen. But in other cases, it's not like he's directly trying to push us into miserable circumstances. More than likely, they were already coming our way through a series of decisions in or out of our control. Other times, we do face things that are unclear. And even when you search the word, has anybody, like, opened their Bible and been praying and just not seeing the answer? And so you're like, God, give me a sign. <laughs> and then no sign comes. And they're like, please, God, give me a sign. And no sign comes. <laughs> and you talk to your pastor. You talk to people. And you're just still not sure. Has anybody ever been in that situation? Is that just me? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> okay, it's just me then. No. They haven't, but, you know, we have a perfect formula for discovering his will in the Lord's Prayer. And it says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like Ryan said, walking humbly, we humbly come before him. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are seeking his will. We are coming to him in prayer. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But the next part is equally important where it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Right in the format, it says, your will, but I'm going to ask for what I want. And God's going to take that into account. So the first step is that we are always seeking his will, not just assuming it. I'll say Brother Clemenson isn't here, but about a year and a half ago, he summed up the perfect way to listen to God's answer, at least for me. I have leaned on this so many times when there's voices going on in my head and saying, what is Jesus telling me to do? And he boiled it down to three simple words. God will answer with go, slow, or no. And I love that our Heavenly Father listens to us. And when studying for this lesson, I kind of went in with the defeatist attitude of like, oh, there's all these sufferings with Job and Paul and Jesus and God's, you know, maybe, there, maybe he is pushing these things. But one thing that he revealed to me, and I'm really thankful for this because I tend to worry and go to the worst possible scenario, is that more often than not, he responded with yes and positive answers. And if we look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye, then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give the good things that ask you ask for? And, oh, Wow. And as I kept looking, I found all these examples of not only God saying yes, but activating in discussion. And I love that it can be a dialogue. Give us this day our daily bread. Some of my favorites are Moses, <laughs> when God wanted to smite the Israelites. It still boggles my mind that they would build a golden calf after he just performed all these miracles. And you know what? I can also think about times in my life or I put up golden calves. <laughs> Metaphorically, you will not find a golden calf. Maybe for those who've been to my home, I do have an obsession with cats. Yes, I didn't know it until my son's first word was cat. <laughs> and I'm like, where are you seeing all these cats? We only have one. Well, <laughs> uh, the second, Hannah praying for a son. And in her case, her bitterness, which we were talking about before service tonight, 
she promised God to give it back to him, but he still gave her a son. Or one of my favorites was just a mom asking her son to do a favor at a friend's wedding. Jesus, can you help turn this water into wine? <laughs> like, what, what a great example. Or, of course, Solomon asking for wisdom. But one that really stuck out to me was in 2 Kings 20 and 1 through 11. It's a little lengthy, so I'm going to skip around a bit. But it's about our man Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had lived a very godly life. And when he was sick and near death, this is verse 20, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. And then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He was living that humble life. He was living that wonderful life. And if we go down to verse, uh, part in verse 4, it says, God listened. And he says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. And then what does he do? He adds 15 years to Hezekiah's life. So I don't know about you, but I have a new prayer item on my prayer list, which is, Jesus, let me be like Hezekiah and add those 15 years. But there's also something that these examples had in common, is that they, one, I, to my knowledge, they were already in the will of God. And the requests of themselves or on behalf of others didn't go against God's word. I believe that he wants us to have the very best in life, especially when they just happen to be in sync with his plans for us, which is why it's so important to be in that constant pursuit of his will. And prayer works, even if it's not for ourselves. We can help others get on that path just through our prayers. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That is a very big prayer that I like to pray a lot. <laughs> And also, just side note, God, reveal the desires of my heart because I may not know them either. But you say, oh, Sister Janelle, that's great. Those are great stories and examples, but they don't really apply to me. What can I do? How can I act when I'm in those desert places? So I'm going to give you just three guidelines to go by. Um, and, I, and these are some that I've used in my personal life, and they have, whew, have they saved me some heartache. But number one, don't use his will as a replacement for faith. If you want something or you have a request of God, just like in the Lord's Prayer, if you're in need of healing, your finances are low, don't lose faith and assume God is putting you in this trial or this desert place for bad things to happen. His will is for you to come to him and by faith ask for the things as if he has already given them to you. In fact, I don't believe... Uh, our God, who gave his life for us, would do that and pay the ultimate trial just to see us continually fall <laughs> over and over and over and get into bad scenarios. We all have our trials, and unless you're Job, which we'll get to into a second, most of the time, those aren't Satan-caused. They're just life, and so God wants us to come to him. On that same note, though, just a word of caution when you're using phrases like Lord willing or you must be in the Lord's will, or you must not be in the Lord's will, especially when consoling others. That's a place of judgment and a quick and easy way to lose faith and also lose confidence with that person. 
So instead, the Bible says it's to strengthen and encourage one another. So instead of saying that must be the Lord's will, ask them, have you sought God's will? Let us pray together. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me, and when you search for me with all your heart. Uh, Brother Sam actually taught on God's will a couple weeks ago, and there was a phrase that he said that almost paraphrases that scripture perfectly, which it says, God doesn't want us to be uncomfortable or suffering. He wants us to thrive. And how you can thrive is relying on that faith. Number two, and it's kind of a little similar to one, but a little different. When in a bad situation or worrying about a potentially bad situation, don't use his will as a scapegoat. Instead, rejoice in his blessings and seek his will. God knows what is in our future. Even with Job, God had a purpose, but he didn't cause it, which is something I always kind of thought he did. I knew Satan was heavily involved, but rereading it, it says God allowed Satan to persecute Job, just as there will be people and powers and spiritual powers in high places that will persecute us. So what do we do? We need to be like Job, but I just want to go through the scriptures. And in Job 1, 6, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And the Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Ideally, probably looking for someone to torment, because that's what he does. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then. Everything he has in your power, but on the man, do not lay himself a finger. And I think every person who especially prays the prayer has that hedge of protection around them, especially if you are striving and living for his will. Uh, so there is an example of someone who didn't know their future. But what about someone who did? As far as I can tell, there's only one person in the Bible who knew what their future had for them, and that was Jesus himself. And even though Jesus knew for the pain of the cross what it would do for all humanity, he still asked, God, let it pass from me. And I bet that if that was coming our way and we knew our future, even our normal futures, not just Jesus's, that we would be probably saying the same prayer. But God knew what the end result of what would happen in the pain of the cross. And if we asked for the same thing, if we asked instead of Jesus, instead of asking for his will and asked, God, don't let suffering and pain come my way, we would never grow from his experiences, be able to empathize with others. We would never be able to show his glory and the things that he has done for us when other humans on this planet are going through the exact same things and don't have God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose in Romans. And so lastly, number three, unless God tells you no, then go. When you don't have the answer to the decisions, it's important to take action, take that leap of faith. You don't always know the weight of your decisions now, 
or what milestones in our lives are going to be impactful until we have the ability to look back, which is why it's so important to seek his will early and often in our lives. This is a repeated theme throughout the Bible. Psalms tells us, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. My sister sent me a wonderful message from Jeremy Painter who talks about the will of God, and it spoke to me so much. If anybody would like it, I'll be happy to share with you after service. Just let me know. But he painted the story of Abraham and Lot in a different way that I hadn't heard it before. And I've been in the church since I was a baby. I've heard a lot about Abraham <laughs> and sang the song. Father Ab yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Colton. So when Abraham and Lot had the family argument. They were packing up their things and had to go choose two different places. Abraham trusted God so much that when he was presented with two options, a barren land, you know, cacti, bugs, scorpions, or lush meadows, he said, you know what, Lot? You decide. And from a historian's perspective, and Jeremy Painter also brings this up, this was a deferential society in itself of lot picking the better option. Very odd. But again, we know God had a purpose. And to paraphrase Reverend Painter's message, which was so powerful, Abraham's future and our future are going to be determined by lots of lots in our lives who are going to have those decisions, who are going to make uh, or have that control and make those decisions that are going to impact our lives, sometimes for good, sometimes not. And these choices that others make are going to put us in a desert place where we don't have that pasture to graze. But the good news, if you're willing, if you're living in the will of God, you don't have to worry too much about it. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. The heart is trained, the heart that is trained in the will and the heart of God doesn't have to worry. Every interview, every relationship, every job is already centered in God. And you can have the confidence to move forward even if it's not clear. So when you're not sure if you're in a place where you just don't feel his will is clear, just take that leap of faith. And I'm going to leave you with two prayers that have shaped my life. One, because I love giving credit where credit is due. This is from Andy Stanley and his book, The Path. And it comes from Proverbs 27, 12. And it says, Lord, help us to see trouble coming long before it gets here. And give us the wisdom to know and do with the courage to do it. And the actual verse says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. So if you think of the inverse, a wise man foresees evil and doesn't hide himself. Instead, seeks God for to go and what to do. And this one I'll share. I don't think Ryan would mind me sharing. He applied for a job a few months ago. And I've worked for, I worked for Amazon for 12 years, for people who didn't know it corporate, at a pretty high level. And the stress is enormous. And it's awful. And I love my new job of being your business manager and being a mom. It is literally the best thing ever. Uh, but we have prayed this prayer so many times, and it has saved us so many heartaches. 
And I know Ryan wanted that job so badly. And we were like, we think this is the job. It's going to be amazing. It's going to get you out of the slog that is security and the semantics of customer service security specifically, which I've had a brief touch with with my, uh, my time in fraud. But we prayed this prayer, and I'm just going to insert what we prayed, which is, God, we're going to make the decision to apply for this job. But God, I give you the authority to stop the process. If I don't get it, I'm going to trust it as your will and rejoice in your decision. Word for word. And do you know what happened? He didn't get the job. But do you know what also happened? The first ever Amazon layoff of over 10,000 jobs that has happened in the history of the company. Do you want to guess which position got let go? It's the one he applied for. So, yeah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I, like how, I like my stay-at-home mom job, which can only be happen if he has his go-to-work job. And so I'm going to ask Brother Sam, if you wouldn't mind just dismissing us in prayer, and I hope that this has touched your heart and has hopefully shed something new. But if I can just take it away with... We just take it away and just...